Hey everyone, welcome to the Love and Truth Church Savannah podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our hope is for these teachings to be encouraging and uplifting and that they would help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, let's get ready to receive a powerful message from Pastor A.J. Fowler. Excited to go into the second part of this series that I have I started last Wednesday night, and um, I uh, really felt to go into a subject um, of hearing the voice of God. But there's a, there's so much that that's really a a loaded topic that when you get into can be very very broad, can be very general. And so, uh, last week as I was um, preparing that, even previous to that, preparing that, the, the first thought that came to me was, you know, when you come into the kingdom of God, you, you come in as, a, you know, we're believers, and, but, but you're also, you know, your sons and your daughters, but you're actually the priesthood, your royal priesthood, your royalty, you're seated with Jesus and Jesus, the scripture says that as he is, so are we in this world. Well, Jesus is a high priest. Now, we're not the high priest, but we're, we're called a royal priesthood, which means that there's a function that we're called to do. And priest in the Old Testament and especially the New Testament, there was two, two specific orders. I'm not going deep into this, but two specific orders. One was the Melchizedek priesthood, which is the one that that's why we talk about the tithe that, Mo, that Abraham tithed to Melchizedek. That was 400 and some odd years before the law was given. And then there was the Levitical priesthood that came along, which was that served inside the temple that was built by Moses. And but we are called, Jesus has came and set the record straight. We are a royal priesthood, which is found in the book of Exodus. I'm not going to go deep into that, but that's what I went the first week. And I talked about hearing the voice of God actually begins at the foundational understanding that you are a priest before the Lord. And as a priest before the Lord, you're, you're called to offer up yourself as a living sacrifice to offer up prayers and pleas before God, but also you're called to intercede on behalf of your brothers and sisters on the planet. So there's three different things there, but hearing God's voice starts right there at understanding who you are in the kingdom as a priest unto the Lord, your royalty, your kings and priests. It's a kingdom of priests. And so I begin to open up with that. But tonight I'm going to go into a different topic. I want to talk about principles. There's principles here to hearing the voice of God. And and, and I want to get into those in just a few moments. But I, I want you to understand that tonight that this topic, this will be more of a teaching such as it was last week. And I hope to really bring it to you because there's so many people that struggle to say, I, I struggle to hear the voice of God, Pastor AJ. I, I struggle to, to maybe know his will. Uh, thanks, Patrick, so much. But that you struggle with really discerning to know, who, is that God's voice? 
Because there's really three different voices taking place within your mind at any given time. It's the voice of the Lord that's speaking to you. It's the voice of you, and it's the voice of the enemy. There's three different voices. The voice of the Lord with the Holy Spirit, the inward witness as he's talked about in Scripture. And so it's like, how do we know? How do we discern? Well, let me ask you a question. How do you know if you're married, how do you know that it's your wife's voice or your husband's voice? You, you're acquainted with that voice, right? One, one or two times, whenever you, maybe when you first met and you talked on the phone, it might have been like, they got a sibling that's like, okay, I don't know who this is, right? And especially if there's twins, how does that work, right? I don't know. I'd be scared to get involved in that. Thankfully, I never dated anybody in high school that had twins. Uh, but, but there is a distinct voice that they have. The only way that you know that voice is through acquaintance, and that doesn't mean one time, shake your hand, how are you? That is a perpetual walking and in intimacy with a relationship with somebody to know their voice. So Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. They know it. They hear it. And so I want to go after a subject, even though it's broad, but to understand there are principles to walking, to hearing the voice of God. And everybody in this room can hear the voice of the Lord. But now sometimes there's blockages and there's blockades. And, and I, don't want to, I don't want to get too deep into a lot of this stuff, but there's things, sin that can hold you back from hearing God's voice. Well, so I can't hear God's voice. Well, some of those sins could be heterosexual sins. If, if there's out, sex outside of marriage taking place, it's, I'm just, you know, just hit the nail on the head. Sex outside of marriage taking place. If you're overindulging yourself in alcohol, or maybe you're doing things according to Scripture that are wrong. There could be uh, um, homosexual sins, things of that nature. You're engaged in. I use that because it's kind of overt. Nobody wants me to get on gossip tonight. Nobody wants me to get on slander tonight. You want me to leave those things alone in the church house because that's always a struggle. But that's something as well that can stop the flow of the voice of God. We always want to talk about quenching the Holy Spirit, oh, they quench the Spirit in that service, but nobody wants to talk about grieving the Holy Spirit, and you grieve Him by what you think, you grieve Him by what you say, and you grieve Him by what you do. I know I'm preaching a not to somebody, somebody's getting this, but I want to talk about that because I feel like it's so vital and it's so important to understand that as a people of God, that as a priest and as a son in the kingdom of God, he invites me to come near his table, Ezekiel 44 says, and to minister to him, to offer up sacrifices before him, my life to offer before him. Because people are meant to live in an ongoing conversation. You are. You're meant. Everybody in this room is meant to live in an ongoing conversation with the Lord. He, that means that you're speaking speaking to him and you're being spoken to by him. So it's a relationship. And, and I love what John Bailey said. He made a statement. He said, our knowledge of God rests on the revelation of his personal presence. How much have you personally encountered him? Because the Bible is meant to be encountered, and I'll get deeper into this. I got to move, man. I, I really, when it comes to prayer and it comes to the voice of the Lord, I may not be, you may look at me and say, man, I just, Pastor AJ, you're just about this deep on certain subjects, and you're not a great preacher, and you're probably right. I'm not. But one thing that I am very passionate about, it is getting into the secret place and pressing in to know the heart of God for myself. I know his voice for myself, and I may not be able to teach you a lot of things tonight, but I can give you a couple of things that you can go home with and be like, man, I needed to hear that. So hear what I'm going to preach to you tonight. Here's the deal. Of such presence that we encounter with God, it must be true to those that have never been confronted with it. So it's an understanding that whatever, to the degree that you've encountered him, you understand him. 
if you have never encountered him and you've encountered an intellectual doctrine but without a personal supernatural experience that exceeds the intellectual mind, you don't have a clue. You've got an argument, but I've got an experience. Are you with me? There's a lot of churches, and I hate it, but I'm just going to hit it. I, I, I don't like when churches begin to neglect the moving of the Holy Spirit and say that he doesn't do that anymore. God doesn't speak that way anymore. Well, then how in the world have we experienced what we've experienced? Many of us in this room, when the Lord has woke you up in the morning and called you to pray, and then you find out the next day why that is. How many stories have I heard that's been like that? So it's important to understand that there's people, if they've never encountered the presence of God, they don't know him. They have no knowledge of him. They may have a head knowledge, but there's no experiential spiritual knowledge of who he is. And it's useless because it's nothing more than an argument. But for us, those of us that have experienced him, it's superfluous. It is beyond. It exceeds anything that we could ever fathom. And I encourage you, if the last time you encountered Jesus was 10 years ago and the old whatever at an altar, and you haven't encountered him since, I, I'm sorry. I, feel, I really do. I feel sorry for you because you ought to keep your encounters with the Lord and with the Scripture current, up to date. You ought to be seeking for him. Don't live for the highs, right? Don't live for the highs, but you have, to be, you have to develop a spiritual lifestyle of a discipline that says, I will not turn back. I am setting my face as flint. I'm not going through a three-month cycle of being on fire and not being on fire, coming to church and then not. I'm going to commit. I'm all in regardless of what, because I'm not built on feelings. I'm built on faith. For those of y'all that were here and heard Prophet Lloyd, I'm telling you, go back and listen to the podcast. It, it says a lot. So my, my question to you, and we'll see how far we go with this message tonight, as a matter of fact. Are your motives correct for seeking to hear God? Are you seeking to hear God because you need a pay raise? Because you need a spouse? Are you seeking to hear God because, well, I just need to know what he's saying about this. I'm going to hear this prophet. I'm going to hear the No, you can hear just as well as the prophet. You really can. You can't function in that office, but you can hear just as well. He wants to walk so near to you and so close to you. That whenever, you know it when he's coming close. I love what Bob Sorge says. Some of us fear the fire because they know, we know what the fire means. But for those of us that have walked in that all-consuming fire in relationship, when the fire starts coming, there's an excitement that builds because that you understand. Take heart. He's coming to me. I can feel the fire when the heat starts turning up. The enemy tries to do whatever. Listen, God is heat and burn harder than any enemy you'll ever face. The fire, and I've said this before, and it just bears repeating. The fire should not defeat you. It ought to reveal who's with you. Who's walking with you? If you feel alone, then you're not seeing him right. And God wants you to hear. He whispers because he needs you close. He wants you close. He don't scream above the, above the urgent that's going around in the culture right now. Many of us, we're so busy. With so many things, God is speaking, but you can't hear him because you're too busy. You got everything going on in your world, but you haven't created the space for him to speak as he's speaking. And, he, and this is what he's doing. Kurt, Kurt, I'm whispering because I want you near. Still small voice. I'm preaching on that at some point. I'll get to it. Why does God just use the, why is, the, why is it the primacy of the still small voice? Because it's intimacy. Your sweet, beloved wife or husband that's in the room tonight, you, well, now some of you shout. If you're in the Fowler's house, we shout a lot. But you remember those times when you'd lean over in their ear, 
speak something in their ear. That's what God does. He uses the still small voice a lot of times because he wants you close. If you're distant, it's not his fault. If you can't feel the presence of God, if you can't sense the presence of God, it's not his fault. Well, God's just distant from me. No. Mm -mm. Sometimes you need disciplines. Discipline your life. Turn that TV show off. That's a blockage. God will not dwell in dysfunction. He'll walk with you, but he will not manifest himself in it. Man, I don't know why I'm going here. It's hearing the voice of God. Hearing the voice of God. Many of us, I feel like I would, I would ask you, don't do it. How many of you feel like God is distant? I don't know how many hands would go up in them. I would hope there wouldn't be any. But if you feel and sense that God is distant, it's because there's something within me that's keeping him that way. But it's not him, it's me, right? Let me keep moving. Because he's a good father, so good. So are your motives correct for seeking to hear God's voice? Because by nature, we live in the future, AJ. God, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? I think it's great to ask that question. Two questions. If you're taking notes, get ready for this. God, what are you doing? And what do you need me to do? How can I co-labor with you? What are you doing? What are you saying? And how can I co-labor with you to see your plan in the earth take place? Ian Bounds, one of the greatest mystics on the, on the subject of prayer, said this. Listen to this. He said, it seems that God does nothing except in response to prayer. Well, Pastor AJ, I just can't seem to get this stuff. Are you praying? Well, yeah. How much you pray about it? Oh, I prayed about it two days. If we'll be honest. But did you first seek his heart or did you just seek your will? Was it his heart, his will, or was it your own desire? And then you stopped after it didn't take place. I'll move on. We live in the future. We're constantly hurled into whether we like it or not. That's why God doesn't reveal his whole plan to us, because it'd freak us out. And I fear, I really do, that many people seek to hear God solely as a device for obtaining our own safety. Like we want to hear God, hear him speak about our future because that, that, well, I, what is it going to look like, God? Is it going to be comfortable for me? Is it going to be safety for me? Uh, or maybe it's a sense of being righteous. And this right here can create a misconception of God's nature. When you don't understand his nature, everything struggles because you see him wrong. And Tozer said, you have to think rightly about God. That's the most important thing that a believer can do in the kingdom is think rightly about it. It creates a problem because all human troubles most of the time come from thinking of God in a wrong way, which then means we think about ourselves wrong. If you don't see him right, you'll never see yourself right, and you'll fight with insecurities the rest of your life, trying to fit in, trying to do this, trying to keep up with the Joneses. It's not about that. A, a kingdom man or a kingdom woman does not struggle with lack because it's lack is not a substance. It's a mindset. And when you see God right, you understand that he's a good father, and in time, he'll put it in my hands. And so that's relationship, it's conversational, it's an invitation to come deeper. Am I, am I going in a circle? I told you, it's, it's a teacher setting, and I'm circling and spiraling around a subject. I may get to second point tonight, I don't know. But I love this topic. God desires to guide you, but you're not a robot. Hearing the voice of God, he doesn't want, well, God, what am I doing today? Okay, no, God, what am I doing today? 
No, 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 no. Now, let me ask you a question. Now, maybe husbands and wives, maybe you do this. or Do you wait for every command for your spouse? Do you wait for them to tell you everything to do? Your significant lover, right? I don't wait for my wife to tell me to do everything. Now, there's sometimes I wait for her to tell me to do it because I don't want to do it. So like, oh, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, of course, you know. But that's the relationship with the Lord. You're not a, anybody ever seen the step for wives? Anybody seen that? It's the robots, the husbands, and I'm, going, I'm not going into that. That's what a lot of people think that, well, God, tell me what to do. God, tell me what to do. God, tell me what to do. No. Walk with him in the cool of the day. Just take off walking with him. Well, how does it start? Just start. <laughs> I said it the first week with Enoch. There's no description of his prayer life. It just says that Enoch was walking with God and then Enoch was not, which means that he just literally, and, and, and I love, uh, it's, it's, we, I said it last week, it's, you know, God speaks to Enoch. He said, hey, Enoch, we're closer to my house than we are to yours. Come on to mine. And Enoch just walked into heaven with the Lord, right? But he was walking with him. You just have to take off walking. So how do you think about him? Here, here let, me, let me tell you this. God is so committed to developing your character. What does character got to do with hearing the voice of God? Everything. Because you don't rely on your feelings all the time. Feelings are valid. They really are. I feel like I've been left alone. God, I feel like I'm all by myself. I feel like you're not listening to me, God. I feel. Feelings are valid because you feel them, but they're not always true. They're true to you, but they're not true to the big spectrum of things, right? The development of character rather than direction is the importance. The love, the joy, peace, patience, that's the fruit of the Spirit. That is the development of your character. Hear this, he will guide you, but he will not override you. All right? He guides you. What does it mean to guide you with his eye? That means that it's, 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 he guides me through the affection of his heart, which means that I'm, I'm, I'm getting to know him in such a degree and a level that he doesn't have to say anything. I just know, right? I've said this before. Your prayer with the Lord, there's times you're praying into a subject and you don't have to pray into it long because you already feel, right? You're like, ah, oh, I know what God's thinking on this. I, I have prayed for people. Literally, there was a few Wednesday nights ago, I prayed for a gentleman that got saved right here in these altars at the end of a service, and I felt such affection for that man. I felt the heart of God for him, that the Lord loved him so much, and I was just, I could not get off of that feeling because simply I felt the heart of God for him, and that's what God wants. That's the whole, that's, that's a primary purpose, so you identify and know who you are. You're identifying with him. Because you're as Jesus in the world praying to the Father, but then you're communicating his heart to everybody that you come in contact with. Now, we miss it from time to time, obviously, but we're not perfect yet. Our failure to hear God has its deepest, deepest roots in a failure to understand, accept, and grow into a conversational relationship with the Lord. There's two core ingredients. Here's the thing. You don't get anything else tonight. You're snoozing off. Wake up for just a second. Get these two, all right? Two core ingredients that you have to have. I'm t I mean this with all sincerity and seriousness in my heart. 
you have to have these two core ingredients to see uh, that they're the heartbeat of a relationship with the Lord. The first one is responsibility. I know it's simplistic. Responsibility and initiative. Responsibility. Why? Because people that are responsible, they own up to what they've done. They don't sweep it under the rug. They own up to it. There's a responsibility, and that, that speaks to character and maturity. People that wallow in self-pity have never accepted their, uh, their struggle with where they are because you're, you're where you are because of the decisions that you've made, right? So what, what, what am I supposed to do? You accept responsibility. God, look, I'm, I am where I am because of what's happened, and, 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 I, and I'm, I'm going to start taking some initiative. Initiative is the next thing. That's to get up and go. I repent, I get up, and I move forward. Because those are all vital to your relationship and your heartbeat. With The heartbeat of the Lord is, is built into responsibility and initiative. You have to have these two. 1 John 4, 7, and 8. You ready? 1 John 4, 7, and 8. Now, it looks like I'm getting to one point tonight, and it's all good. It says this, and I'm going to read a, tra- a paraphrase in a moment. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, which means that it can't be created upon the planet. The devil can't create it. He can't recreate it. He can bend it. He can warp it. He can pervert it, but he can't create it. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Next verse. Verse 8. Okay. Let me see. Is it up there? Okay. Never mind. There it is. This one who does not, uh, who does not love does not know. They're not intimately acquainted. They have no idea who God is, for God is love. Now, you ready for the paraphrase? Those possessed of genuine love have God's life in them and are well acquainted with him. Those who are not have absolutely no knowledge of him, for God is love. Why would I read that in that way and in that manner? Here's the thing. There's a lot of people that says that I love God, but they, they, it's like they're, they're uh, as one of my uncles used to say, they're like a mule chewing on a saw briar. They're sucking on a lemon. They're always mad. Everything is wrong. Nothing works right. And they're always gloom, doom, agony, and despair on me. It's always bad. Listen, how content can we be? If you don't like your situation, it starts with you to begin with anyway. But for me, when I'm walking in relationship with King Jesus, I can take all of these problems and I can lay on my face and say, God, I've got to have you. Now, he may not speak to me in that moment, but I am showing him I'm laying my life down because I have no control over what's happening right now. I lay it down. But the important aspect of this is that for you, for those of you that struggle in that, in that aspect because it's an attitude, you've got to learn how to walk in contentment. Change, change the people around you or you'll never change the people around you. I'll leave that alone. If you don't change the people around you, the people around you won't change. Walk away from things. Stay away from this. Move into a place where God can start using you in a, in a greater dimension. Huh. Holy Lord. Three principles. Three principles. Principle number one. You ready? I'm not going to all three. I'm telling you, this is a lot of content because I'm excited about it. For those of you that struggle to hear God's voice, I'm telling you, I'm not perfect at it, but I'm humble enough to know God, if I'm not hearing you, what's wrong? Where am I wrong? Change, 
Andrew Welch, this is a prayer that, that he said at men's breakfast. It was a teaching, and it's stuck with me ever since. Where you at, Andrew? There he is in the sound booth. Man, it stuck with me like, like glue on the bottom of a cleat. Man, I'm telling you, I was just, it, it's been with me ever since. And I'll hit these moments, and I'm scared to pray it because I know what it means. God, change me. Change me, God. Change me. I want to have a tender heart because the tenderness of my heart takes me into the heart of the Father, but it's a grit that will keep me there. I have to be gritty. I have to fight for that, right? The first one is this, principle number one, to love God. It's simple. Love God with all our being. Well, I got that. Love the Lord your God with all your strength. Yeah, you've read over it. You search the scriptures because you think in them there's eternal life, but they are which testify of Jesus. Where's your encounter? Are you encountering the God of the Bible? Are you just reading intellectually to to know something? You better be reading to know intimately and acquainted, be acquainted with him. Principle number one is that, to love God with all of our being. When we love people, that means we want to please people. Now, that can be dangerous, but think about your significant other. When you love them, your children, you want to please them, right? Your spouse, you want to please them. That's the love. That's where we come in desiring for that place. Love is designed to be our primary way of being with people. Now, there's a lot of people that do the us for and no more thing. I'm not even going to get on. I am not going there, Jesus. I, that's fleshly and carnal, and I'm not going there. I'm just saying this so, so I can talk myself out of it. I externally process, right, Miss Julie? I, I, I just externally process. So, when two, this is simple, but when two people love each other, love is expanded and reaches more than just two, right? When two people love each other, a man and a woman get married, uh, there is not just the whole aspect of physical reproduction with children. There is an actual relational reproduction where he embraces her family and she embraces it. supposed to be. <laughs> I'm looking for those that got the nervous laugh. <laughs> yeah, honey. <laughs> so there's this expansion that takes place because of love, right? Families created, not just physically, but also relationally, emotionally. Connections are happening and made. And so our relationship with God is not about him ordering me around. It's not about him do this and do this and do this and do this. It's not about that. Our relationship with the Lord is all about a conversational relationship that is ongoing and never ends. And it's how do I walk so close with him? And in the process of walking with him, there is a maturity aspect that starts taking place. You start to mature. Your appetites spiritually begin to shift. He starts putting his finger on things in your life, and you're like, man, I, you know, 10 years ago, that wasn't ever a problem, but now it's a problem. When I hear it come through the television, or I hear it in a relate, or somebody saying this at work, something just doesn't feel right, and you start distancing yourself from people, and people's like, what's going on with you? Why are you being all distant? I've, you know, you used to, but whatever. No, there, there's something different because my appetite is shifting emotionally and mentally and physically and relationally. I can't be with you anymore because something's not right. I've, I've come away with the Lord and he's begun to work something inside of me. And even though he hasn't said the first word to me in this week, I'm feeling something I've never felt before and it's intimacy and it's nearness. And I feel like the ancient of days has just walked right into my room and, 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 I, and I can't stop crying because I'm thinking about the goodness of the Lord. And, and, I, and then I remember where I got, where he brought me from and 
And it's just like all of a sudden the Bible starts unfolding and you see the love of Jesus at a different level. And you see the sacrifice on the cross at a different level. So you stay clear of things that would affect you from from drawing nearer. Because he said, you draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. Right? Now listen, don't take all of my word for it. Read scripture on it. Right? I don't think that he delights in always having to explain what his will is. Now, remember, point number one, love him with all your heart. He enjoys it when I understand and act upon his will, right? Just like my wife expects me to sweep the floors, and she doesn't have to tell me all the time, AJ, sweep the floors, do the dishes. I just know what she wants because that's, I, I use clean the house because that's her, uh, uh, her love language. But you just do it because you understand, and there's a relationship there. Our highest calling and opportunity in life is to love him with all our being. Pastor AJ, where's the revelation of whatever of the whatever? This is your highest calling. How much do you love it? When you, when you pray, do you have moments where you break down? Not break down about life, but you break down because you're thinking about him. Has he captured your heart? Can you, when you're in worship, you don't have to be a worship leader. Man, y'all lead me in worship sometimes. I love it. When I look across the room and I see somebody fighting hell, and they're lifting their hands and they're working. I tell you what, I watch Sister Frances, even in the season she's in right now. And she'll lift her hands in worship. And I just think to myself, that's leading me, God. Teach me how to walk through something such as that. I don't want that. But teach me how to be one that with a grace and with a strength to say, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. I'll live with my hand open and I'll still serve you. Regardless if I'm slayed or not, I'll serve you. I will serve you. I will serve you. Intimacy with God grows from and creates further shared understanding. Once you get saved, you're just beginning. Congratulations. And I want to say this, and it's going to sound crazy on the subject of salvation. This is going to sound really corny. So yet, was it just yesterday? I was having to drive to Jackson, and I was thinking on how all of heaven throws the biggest party when one sinner repents. That's what the scripture says. I mean, they celebrate. <laughs> Where's my ball fans at? So I'm telling you, and it sounds corny, and I don't want to be that corny pastor that puts the post on social media. Where's the people at? They better be worshiping like they did, and they watch the ball games Saturday night. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, I don't want to be that guy, and I'm not. But I'm telling you, I was on my way to Jackson. I don't know that it was God. I don't know that it was AJ, but I felt like I wasn't thinking about it. So I'll just tell you that. But I was thinking about, man, the excitement that I had watching the ball game after the game was over and the people rushing and flooding the field. My goodness, they're cutting patches of grass out of the field. It's ridiculous, you know? It's wild and crazy. But it's just like I heard in my mind, AJ, whenever one sinner repents, this is what takes place in heaven. The 102, what is it, 102,000? 102,000 some odd people that just erupted. Well, I don't know if there's any Alabama fans in the stands or not, but there are a lot of Tennessee fans. But it's just like something blew up in my spirit. And he said, this is over one sinner who repents in heaven. And there's way more in heaven than there are in that stadium right now. And so I just began to stop. And I was like, God, please don't let me 
Don't let me take my eyes off. Because there's people that are introverts in the church house, but they go outside of the church. They're not introverts, right? You know, so anyway, I'll move on because that's really convicting to a lot of people. So I'll keep going. So, but in the case of salvation, moving into relationship with the Lord, the intimacy that you walk with him and you cultivate and you've got to be disciplined because if you don't have disciplines, you'll be, you'll be two weeks, two months, uh, maybe close to seven to eight, uh, seven, eight months to a year. And then you fizzle out and then you're right back doing the same thing. And so it, it's one of those things. There has to be discipline set in place and prayer is one of those disciplines. It really is because it becomes a delight, but it's an ongoing conversation that never ceases and it never stops. The problem is, is our awareness flees of who he is and, who he, and, and that God is wanting to speak, all right? So that, that's, a, that's a big factor. Many cannot progress in their relationship with God because they focus solely on what they think God might be telling them to do. What's God telling me? What's he telling me to do? I, I, I need to know what God said. No, no, Martha. Don't get into kitchens and make sandwiches that Jesus never ordered. Look at Mary. What's she doing? The word of God is being poured out. Literally, the living word is standing and teaching in the house. Now, I've heard it before. Well, Jesus ate those sandwiches. He might have had, but I'm going to tell you something. He never ordered them. And so, Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus, and she's receiving revelational knowledge. And there is this deep-rooted, deep-seated connection that he has with all of his disciples. But many struggle, and they can't get through that part because they focus solely on what they think God might be telling them to do. In this case, you ready? Hear me. Friendship is absent. There is no friendship with God. You're looking to him as a taskmaster. What's next? What do I got to do next? What's next? What's next? Yeah, 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 but I understand that, Jesus, but what's next? Paul was called a slave of Christ, but not at the beginning. I'm fixing to wrap up. Patrick, come. Paul was a slave of Christ. And we hear slave, and obviously what's happened in, in the United States and all of that stuff over the previous years, especially from the 1700s to the 1800s, it's completely, utterly, it's not right at all. Paul, in that culture, it was still the same scenario. But Paul said, later when you read, I think it's in the book of Colossians, he talks about being a slave to Christ, never started that way. For us, I can tell you from my journey with the Lord, is it started off where like I just could not, I couldn't do enough. Like I wanted to do more. Just constantly, my first 2000, 2009, 2010, when I, when I came back to the Lord and I started running after him, I couldn't run fast enough. I couldn't do enough. I see at the church all the time, Pastor Philip, can I weed eat? He, he had me weed eat, moving chairs around. I'd, I'd get off work from working construction, come to the church, and I was busy doing something. Because I was burning for, to do something more for the Lord. And so my prayer life was about the doing. And then all of a sudden, I can't tell you how it worked, but I transitioned from that mindset into a friendship mindset, where it's like, man, I talked with God with a, as a friend. Our, my communion with him, my time with him was just like, it was just conversating with the Lord. It was just felt like I was talking with my best, with my best friend. And then I can't tell you the day when it tra- transitioned again, but then it changed into where I understood him as a father. And so when I would talk to him, it was literally, I lost my earthly dad. Pastor Philip was my spiritual father. I lost him. And so, but I, but I had father figures, and it literally was like I was sitting down, having a cup of coffee and conversating with the father. 
but it was beyond anything I'd ever experienced before in my life. I can't explain it. It's supernatural. All right? I'm a finite human being. He's infinite. But I could feel the transition when it took place and how the relationship just went to a different level. And then I understood, oh, I understand correction now. I don't know if any of you, that's the problem a lot is people can't take it when they're corrected. But, but they, if you can't, I got to go. If you can't take it, what does the book of Hebrews say? If you cannot take the correction as a child of God, then you're declared illegitimate. Now, do I need to go King James on you? I don't want to be an illegitimate child of God. If I can't be disciplined by God and for those that he puts over me, Pastor Eddie Couples, Pastor Philip Meek, my father, they discipline us according to what they know to be best for us is what the, the scripture says. But I will submit myself to them because they have charge over my soul and they will give an account for it one day. I, I, but I've got to be honest. But I'm open to that and let God speak to me through them and submit my life unto them and say, you know, I don't know. You're my shepherd. You're my pastor. What do you see that's wrong? And then I release myself unto them and God speaks to me through them. And it's wise counsel. Because this is what I understand. When you move into that place of where he becomes your father in relationship, you no longer are driven towards servanthood. I got to serve Jesus. No, no, no. You're drawn to it. He no longer drives you. He draws you. And it just it's an invitation to come deeper. Do you understand that you can have more of God than you currently have right now? That's what that's what like that's what turns my turns me going. That's what gets me going. Cuz I know what I've encountered of him in private and I know what I've experienced of him in private and I know there's more, so it keeps thrusting me forward. It draws me David, it draws me into more because I understand like the, the, the same encounter, and I'll get into this next week, the same encounters that the Apostle Paul had, that Elijah had, that those uh, Catherine Kuhlmans, all of those that they had, it's an invitation for you, Bailey, to step into. It didn't stop with them. It multiplies with us. But God's looking for the whosoever will. Whoever will. Saints drawn into servanthood and friendship with God become true individuals who are unique. Why? Because God has shaped their hearts and their wills. Their desires match up with God's desires and they are empowered to do what they and God wants. People say, well, that's just ridiculous. I don't want to do it. I'm empowered to do what God wants to do. Yeah. What you want and what God, because when you experience and you walk with him, you build a history with the Lord. Over time, God looks at you and he says, you know what? You've been faithful. What do you want? But it's a set up thing. Because the thing is, is you've become so much like him, Miss Kim, that your desires is what he wanted for you all along. It's set up. It's a divine setup. Because he knows, I, I don't, I'm going to stop. Man, I got to, all right, stand to your feet. I really... Stop it. Stop, AJ. Gosh. I'm going to tell you something if you can bear it. This is what I learned, <laughs> among other things. There was one morning I was in here praying, 2018, praying into the future, praying into the will of God for my life, because I'm the guy that has to know, God, what are you doing? You know? And so 
Now, I don't do that much anymore. I promise. It's changed. I learned my lesson. Um, but I remember I was praying in here, and I said, God, I don't even know. I don't even know what I need unless you show it to me. And when you, when you give me what I need, I realize that it's what I always wanted. Does that make any sense? So it's, there's things in our life we feel like, man, you know, as you walk with the Lord, and there's these desires that come up in your heart, and you're like, God, I just need you. I need this, whatever, whatever it specifically may be. And then over time, whenever God begins to give it to you or something else, it's just like, man, that right there that I thought I needed way back when, I'm glad I didn't get it, but God gave me this, and I realized that this is what I've always wanted. And so for us tonight, every person in this room, hearing God's voice, stepping into a relationship, I just got to point one, and I'm okay with that. I'm telling myself that. To walk with Him, to talk with Him, to experience more, I'm asking you, I don't know the degree to what level that you've encountered the presence of God, but I'm telling you, there is more. And the more you encounter, the more you understand. You don't understand and your faith grows. It's by faith you understand. You with me? So for many of you in the house tonight, you've got to give up your right to understand and know that there's more. Let me pray with you. Father, I thank you for your heart. I thank you for your words that you've been declaring and speaking to the people of God tonight, the things that you've already released in this house. I thank you for the healings and bodies. I thank you for prophetic words spoken to the hearts of people. Father, I pray that you would awaken the spirit of every individual in this room tonight, God, and I'm praying for a greater understanding of who you are. I pray for greater encounters. And Lord, I pray that within that heart and the first principle that they would love you with everything that they are, that tonight things are laid down, things are released unto God, and there is an embracing of the cross. There's an embracing of your goodness. I thank you, God, for what you're birthing in the heart of people tonight. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you are able to take something from this sermon and apply it to your life. Also, feel free to share this with your friends and family. And if you'd like to contact us, you can email us at loveandtruthchurchsavannah at gmail.com. We hope you have a great week.